Ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard. It is episode 9 of the Dropkicks and Attractions podcast. I am, of course, your host, the Prince of Pop Culture, Xander Invictus. I am also here with my close personal friend and co-host, Big Bach. How are you, sir? I'm doing wonderful. Are you holding up okay? I'm doing fine, thank you. Okay, we are in the week of February 1st, 1993. It is a Raw and WCW Saturday Night Week. We are coming off the heels of about two weeks ago. We are on the road to WrestleMania 9 in Vegas. And on the WCW side, we are about two to three weeks out from Super Brawl 3. So we are we are going to start with Monday Night Raw of February 1st, 1993. And this is the first episode where they just jump right into the first match. No hellos, you get the you get the intro and ding 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 first match. It is the Native American Tatanka versus Damian Demento, who we've not seen on Raw since the first episode, and this is the first episode of Raw for Tatanka, who I was actually a huge fan of as a kid. So we are uh, jump, jumping right in. So Demento jumps in early. He jumps Tatanka, but Tatanka actually almost gets the win right away with a small package. He takes takes back over again, sends Demento out of the ring with a hip toss and a power slam. Yep, so it is all Tatanka in the early goings before Demento is each able to catch like a little sneaky blow to the face and he takes control, lands a chin lock and he's, Tatanka's in the chin lock for quite a while. Uh, Demento comes on, he continues the torment, but uh, for lack of a better term, Tatanka starts hulking out, he starts getting the second wind, he starts powering up, he lands his Samoan drop finisher for the win. Very quick match. Yeah, that was four minutes, ten seconds. It just this one just felt like it was a filler match. It did. Uh, I wish I could describe it more, but even for four minutes, this match felt super rushed, super fast. This was not one of the dense ones. Yeah, not at all. And we're gonna actually notice this not only specifically with Raw, but even with the most of WCW Saturday Night. Once we get there, there's a lot of quick matches that just are there to fill time. This this is not a one of the better weeks we'll find we'll soon to find out here. It really is not, and that's unfortunate. Yeah. Uh well so we do go to the normal broadcast team. Vince, Randy Savage, and Rob Bartlett, who apparently they still keep on a muzzle because after the first episode he's kept quiet. Mm-hmm. Uh they do go go to video footage of the headlock for hunger event they had just had a few days prior. And they show uh Bret Hart, the WWF champion. Presenting a check for $100,000. And that's a fair chunk of change even today. Oh, absolutely. So it's always good. You know, that's one thing. WWE's always been big about doing uh, charity, giving back to all the different towns they go through. It's something they can actually continue to this day. Mm -hmm. So it's nice to see that this is not a new thing for them. You're talking 29 years ago. So we come back from another commercial. And Vince is in the ring and reintroducing... Brutus the Barber Beefcake, who has been out for approximately, legitimately as well. This is not Charlotte, this is legitimate. He's been out for about two or three years with a nearly fatal parasailing accident. That did actually happen? That wasn't just kayfabe? No, that 100% happened. When did happen? He was on the boat. And uh, for those that don't aren't familiar with parasailing, is when you have someone attached, like almost like they're doing the uh, ski water skiing. They have the... The grip, and they're basically on a parachute. So the speedboat is driving around in the water, and the other person is attached to the boat via parachute. Right. 
So what had happened is uh, Brutus was in the boat. Signals were messed up. Something had gotten messed up between communication between the parasailer and the boat. And she came down and collided with his face. Full-on body from way high up. Collided with his face. It very nearly killed him. He had all kinds of uh, surgeries and plates and mesh and all kinds of stuff put in. Like, he was out legitimate two to three years. Oh, my gosh. I had no idea that was legit. Yeah. So, we're talking about... We're bringing him back. Obviously, he gets a... Uh, Whenever you see, honestly, you even see this with nowadays. Whenever a wrestler comes back from a serious injury, they're gone several months, year, beefcakes, instance, two to three years. Out to support, very large pop for Brutus Beefcake. Uh, he is ex- very excited to come back. And he also talks about how not only was he divorced during the time he was gone, he lost both parents very close to each other. So uh, mentally and physically, he's gone through a lot the last few years. I can imagine. And one of the people that got a hold of him and kept track of him was, of course, Hulk Hogan, who we have not seen uh, for quite a while as well. He was out in Hollywood doing the movies. One of those, of course, was episode two of the podcast, Mr. Nanny. Mm-hmm. This is a, not only is we're welcoming Beefcake back. This is started. We're going to see this is going to start sowing the seeds for his match at WrestleMania. Um, but, yeah, he's talking about how. Uh, and at, especially at this time, Hulk Hogan and Brutus Beefcake were very close best friends. They had been for, oh goodness, you're talking 15, almost 20 years at this point. I have, I haven't had any friends that long. Yeah, no, this is, they, they were very close. Uh, but basically what Bruce is doing, he's like, hey, I'm back. I went through a lot, but I'm here. And he, oh, as, excuse me, issues an open challenge for anybody that wants to step in the ring with Beefcake and... We are going to see that answered, and we'll see what happens there uh, here in the next couple weeks. Uh, so we go then to our next match, High Energy, which is Owen Hart and Coco Beware, and they're going up against the tag team of Iron Mike Sharp, who was a journeyman. You saw him a lot, especially enhancement talent-wise. Many, many years. You're talking at least a good 10 years, at least in WWF. And movie fans will also notice that Iron Mike Sharp was the guy that Hulk Hogan's character, Rip, was wrestling at the very beginning of No Holds Barred. Once again, we're tying the, the uh, pop culture movies together. He was in No Holds Barred with Hulk Hogan. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Which is a movie that's so bad it's enjoyable to watch. I gotcha. Like Mystery Science Theater kind of thing, right? Yeah, but this is less... This is just enjoyable about, oh my God, this is so goofy. Okay, I gotcha. His partner is Von Kruse. They pronounce it Von Kruse here. Is uh, the... Late night, late nineties, early two thousands, WCW, and the part of the ruthless aggression era. WWE will recognize that as Big Vito, who just recently got back into wrestling himself. So he 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 comes in and he does the Von Crush gimmick still to this day, which stemmed from he. It was a very, especially once you see the full regalia. It's a very, um, for lack of a better term, Nazi style gimmick. He had the hat, the coat. He was very German in his gimmick. I gotcha. He, he does the big veto where he was the very, the stereotypical Italian, especially in WCW. He used to come out with a stickball bat. I, that's where I first remember him from. Mm-hmm. And he also did, this is the, also the, the veto that was uh, wore the dress in WCW for a while. So been around, he's been around all over the world many, many years. And he's just now getting back. He had uh, left to take care of family and he's back doing wrestling now. That's good to hear. Yeah, so if you follow, if you're on TikTok, follow him. He's a great guy to follow. Uh, so yeah, once again, very quick match. Owen Hart. You can see how he was the. He's very he's as agile 
as we've already discussed how Coco Beware was. Mm -hmm. You can see how fast Owen the Heart was. Very quick tags on Sharp. Boom, boom, boom. He's quick. He can do the monkey flips and the twists and the turns and the head scissors. Uh, Von Cruz gets tagged in, but almost immediately gets a double T move. It almost looks remnant of the Heart Foundation's heart attack. Sort of like with a clothesline, or excuse me, dropkick variation. Uh, match is over. Hmm. That's another real quick match. Just one minute, 32 seconds. Yeah, like I said, it seems like that we're speeding through this episode. We're not doing it on purpose. There honestly was not a lot of meat on these bones this week. Oh, this was very, very thin. Yes. Um, and then we go to basically what was the largest match. It at least seemed to me the longest and largest match of the evening. Uh, Doink the Clown versus Typhoon. And we're still continuing the uh, feud towards WrestleMania with him and Crush. They saw the attack again with Crush when he had the uh, fake hand, fake arm. With the, It was the lead pipe. Mm -hmm. As far as we know, Crush is still out. Macho Man sends his wishes. So it seems like, honestly, in hindsight, it seems like we're starting one storyline here. We're actually getting ready to sow the seeds for two storylines with Crush. And once again, in the months to follow, we'll get in on that. Right. So, and people don't realize that as well, the first doink under the mask, under the face paint was uh, Matt Bourne, who was uh, big in the Pacific Northwest region. And I also remember him as Big Josh. The, that was the lumberjack that came out with the dancing bears, like legitimate bears. Oh my. Yeah. And you realize that he's more than just a con. He's very technically sound because even with Typhoon size, he was actually able to get a couple takedowns and bring... Typhoon horizontally very easy. Hmm. Yeah, Doink's yeah, in this match, Doink's trying to keep Typhoon off its feet, which is a really good strategy for a little man versus a big man. Yeah, and but it's just you can just see that instead of just doing the typical little man big man stuff, Doink is using his technical skills that he was very well versed in. Yes. Um and for, for the honestly for the majority of the match, this was a Doink match. This wasn't a squash match, but Doink had the advantage for the majority of the match. Yeah. About halfway through, Typhoon was actually able to uh, get a control of a bear hug for a very short time before Doink was able to get out of it. Yeah, Doink raked the eyes there to get Typhoon off of him. Yeah, this was not a very... He was in the bear hug very long. He was still able to use his technical skills, still got caught in a power slam. Yeah, right after the power slam, he gets flung into one of the corners and Typhoon goes for a corner splash. Uh, this goes on for a little bit more and just when you think Typhoon's going to do something... Doink drops him, grabs his tights, and actually, Doink pins Typhoon. Yeah, that was a three-minute, thirteen-second match. And that one was that one was better, but by the standards of this week, it's still not that great. Yeah, and I think that was actually you said the Tatanka match was four minutes. About that, yeah. Yeah, basically, um, this was the second longest match of the night, and we're not done yet. We still have more than one match left. So, um, unfortunately, after this match. Howard Finkel's in the ring, and he starts a remembrance and 10-bell salute for Andre the Giant, who had about a week prior passed away in uh, his native country of France. I never saw him wrestle. I know he was a big guy. Could he wrestle? Like, how good was he? Oh, he was very good, um, especially if you watch a lot of his stuff in Japan. That's honestly, he as much as the stuff he was able to do, like, usually once you got to watch Andre the Giant, especially in the latter years, you know, the late 80s, he had already... Towards the end of his career, he was very immobile because of his large size. Right. And all the conditions that go with somebody that's that size. In fact, 
WrestleMania 3, that was the match in Detroit with Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan body slammed him around the world. Everybody saw it. Mm-hmm. Andre, even at that point, you're talking about 87, 86, 87, was already wearing a back brace by then and was in a lot of pain. So and so maybe not even 10 years before this. So I got gotcha. you. And he was he was one of those. If he liked you, he loved you. But if he didn't like you, you weren't getting anything from him in the in the ring. Yeah, I've heard stories about him paying for people's food, about how much beer he could drink, things like that. Uh, the record for the beer, I want to, I know it was well over a hundred in one sitting, a hundred beers in one sitting. Yeah, um, he also was a big wine. Obviously, he's from France. Without the stereotype, he was also a big wine guy. Uh, his family, I believe, still to this day has uh, a vineyard in North Carolina. That was where that was his thing. He used to like doing the grapes and making the wine. Yeah, I Googled it real quick. The beer record was 119 12-ounce beers in six hours. Yeah, which even I couldn't do that in my heavy drinking days. But yeah, like everybody loved Andre the Giant. And he would go on, it's, it's, it's not as big as it is now, but he would go on to become the first ever entrant into the WWF Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. They basically started it to induct him as the first one. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, there was a, you know, they did it for a few years. Usually, I think King of the Ring, one of the King of the Rings, they had a little small ceremony. But it wasn't as, WrestleMania 20 is where the Hall of Fame really became a, a huge deal. But this was a, he's, if, uh, for you trivia fans out there, Andre the Giant is the first inductee into the Hall of Fame. And he was the, he was the only inductee that year. Like I said, they basically started the Hall of Fame to induct Andre. Gotcha. And for the, for your pop culture fans, he was obviously the giant in Princess Bride. Great movie. Uh, he did an episode of the Six Million Dollar Man as Bigfoot. Uh, I remember him doing Honeycombs commercials, but for some reason they had a dub voice for him. Huh. But ba- yeah, he was always he always I know shock of all shocks he always played giants in the the shows and uh, commercials and stuff he did. <laughs> so yeah, it's fun, especially if you want to watch a lot of the stuff he could do. Uh, watch his Japan stuff. Like, I've seen... If he liked you, he gave you everything. Like, I believe, was it Stan Hansen or somebody else? He actually let... He... German was able to be German suplexed by somebody. Wow. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, he basically... Andre the Giant was... Be, lack of a better term, was bigger than wrestling because he was the attraction. Like, I, I know of him in WWF. Uh, he did stuff in Mid-South Wrestling... He was the attraction. He would go around, and that was the big thing. If Andre the Giant was in your town, that was a big deal. Yeah, he was the one they paid to see. Yeah, if if because uh, Andre basically because of his size and his use of basically as like an attraction, Andre went wherever he wanted to basically. Right. And I remember watching him uh, when I was a kid, like especially with the Hulk Hogan stuff at WrestleMania three. He tagged with Haku as the Colossal Connection. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that sort of thing. Like, like I said, this was a Andre, Andre the Giant was what do you uh, like? I said, there's a reason he's the first inductee. We'll put it that way. Gotcha. So, we have the ten bell salute for those that don't know or aren't familiar with that in pro wrestling. Whenever a wrestler or somebody in the business passes away, as like their their show of respect, everybody will bow their heads and they do it. They ring the the uh, ringside bell ten times. I've seen that. I've seen that in recent years. I've actually been to one of those. Who was it? I went to Money in the Bank 2015. It was actually on my birthday proper. For those that don't know, that was the one Seamus won. 
and that was just a few days after uh, Dusty Rhodes had passed away. Gotcha. So they did one there. But yeah, that's 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 basically a wrestling equivalent of like a, a 21 gun salute at a military funeral. Right, right. That this is how the this is how wrestling shows their respect to the members of the wrestling family. Gotcha. So anyways, back to the squash matches. We have Yokozuna, who's coming off his victory at the Royal Rumble, is going to be facing Bret Hart at WrestleMania, is facing Bobby DeVito. And WCW fans will know this is the Tony DeVito from Da Baldi's. Mm-hmm. He would go on to have a little bit of fame the last few years of ECW. Gotcha. And basically what this is, obviously, poor uh, Mr. DeVito is not going to get anything on Yokozuna. But what they are setting up, and they talk to Jim Duggan over the phone. Right. Jim Duggan has issued a challenge to Yokozuna for, I believe it was Wrestling Challenge, because Yokozuna has not really left his feet since he started. Yeah, and yeah, and Hacksaw is confident that he can knock Yokozuna down. Yes. So, I actually remember watching this episode as a kid. Uh, Hacksaw does. Hacksaw knocks him down. He hits the you know his three-point stance, the clothesline. He knocks him down. Really? This is a big deal. Then, Yokozuna, you know, obviously is a sore loser. Bonsai drops Hacksaw, I want to say, at least three or four times. Oh, gosh. I'm, I'll be cringing when we get to that. Oh, no. It, it was on, like, um, Wrestling Challenge or one of the... Oh, okay. The One of the other shows. Like, I was, like, Wrestling Challenge or All-Star Wrestling. One of those that I would watch, I like, it like, Saturday or Sunday morning at, like, noon. Oh, my mistake. But we just so we can see, you know, the 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 end of this. Right. But yeah, he obviously is a sore loser. Hacksaw gets bonsai dropped. I want to say three or four times, and they actually wheel Hacksaw away on a stretcher. He's bleeding from the mouth. They're making it look like how devastating that he's just destroyed Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Yeah, backtracking for just a sec. That the Bobby DeVito match that was just two minutes and one second of Bobby getting his ass kicked. Yeah, that basically. The Yokozuna's greatest hits, he bonsai dropped for the win. But this was basically there to set up the upcoming match. Not even a match, it was a challenge uh, that Duggan laid out to Yokozuna. Gotcha. So once again, we come back from that. Uh, Vince's ringside. He's interviewing the current WWF Tag Team Champions, uh, Money Incorporated, Money Inc., which is Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase, and Erwin R. Scheister, IRS. They are the tag champs. Coming out and... Uh, DiBiase starts talking trash to Brutus Beefcake, and he's going to answer the open challenge. He's beefing. He gives Beefcake the option to fight either one of them. Yeah, they flip a coin. Ted wins the flip. And then while they're talking about this, they're like, hey, oh, it would be a shame if anything happened to that that surgically reconstructed face of yours. It would be such a shame. Right. Their manager, Jimmy Hart, comes out. He actually tries to convince them not to take the match. He's like, hey, we got contracts to sign. We got people to talk to. What happens if you get hurt before WrestleMania? He's nothing. We'll, we'll, and this all plays in, once again, all this is playing into what happens with Beefcake at WrestleMania. We're setting up, we're setting up that storyline here. Right. And so we get to the quote unquote main event is the narcissist Lex Luger, who has in his singles debut against Jason Knight, who also ECW fans will know it's the world's sexiest man, Jason Knight, who uh, was a running buddy of the Impact players, you know, uh, Lance Storm, Justin Incredible, they would have, like, Don Marie in their in their stead. He was just, he was like their, their, not really manager, but he was always on the sidelines and would do their dirty work. This is pre-ECW Jason Knight. I gotcha. And 
poor Luger sweated him like a cat with a mouse. Yeah, Luger is just in control pretty much the whole time. Yeah, hits a clothesline, toys with him a little bit more. Remember, this is the narcissist. We're not in the Made in USA Lex Luger yet. We got about five months before that, so we're still bad guy Lex Luger. Mm -hmm. uh, quick, power slam, clothesline, forearm, pins him with his pinky. And that's two minutes and 40 seconds. Yes. Uh, so the re with a forearm, like everybody knows, Lex Luger is known for the torture rack as his finisher. Mm -hmm. Puts him on the shoulder, shakes him. That was his thing. Even in WCW the first time, he's known as the torture rack. Uh, the reason they're doing the forearm is that Luger was in a legitimate motorcycle accident some point prior to this. Uh, I don't remember. I don't remember if it was in WCW, but prior to him being in WWE, he was in a motorcycle accident and had a metal plate put in his arm during the surgery. Oh. So the, the the idea is he's using the forearm because he's got the metal plate in there, each of the forearm, which obviously we all know that's not how medicine works. Right. You don't you know your your you don't turn into your forearm doesn't turn into adamantium. But basically, he's got the the metal plate in the forearm, he'll knock you out with it. That's why he's using the forearm. Okay. So I know this is weird. We're done with Raw. Not a damn thing happened. Yeah, that episode sucked. That's the weakest one. Uh, so they uh, now do announce, and this happened, I think, way into the late 90s. No Raw next week. They're getting preempted by the Westminster Kennel Club dog show. And they also announced that, uh, Lou, or excuse me, Briefcake will be fighting Ted DiBiase in two weeks. So, and that also plays into, and we'll mention this again at the end of the episode, it will affect how we do the next wrestling episode as well. Because we did talk about this. Did we want to just do a shorter episode with just WCW Saturday Nights? And we decided against it. And uh, everybody remembers how episode one was three shows. We're going to do the same. We're going to do WCW Saturday Night, Monday Night Raw, WCW Saturday Night. So that's going to be the next wrestling episode is going to be a long one. Yep. Looking forward to it. So, all right. That's it. Monday Night Raw is done. Like I said, as of... The ones we've covered so far, easily the weakest one. Other than they're bringing back Beefcake and setting in his motion, his his road to WrestleMania. Not a damn thing happened. Nothing went forward. And so we're going into we're going to hop into WCW Saturday night of February sixth. And unfortunately, uh, the wrestling was better. Uh, unfortunately, not much else happened this either. M more storylines available because, like I said, Super Brawl is about. Excuse me, about three weeks away. So we are closer to their storylines, but anyways, we are going to open real quick with a tag match on paper, which is great, and it actually wasn't a bad match. The team of Brian Pillman and Sonny and Steve Austin, not too long before they become the Hollywood Blondes, going up against the makeshift team of Two Cold Scorpio and Johnny B. Bad on paper. We've already discussed this. This this is quality just off the jump. Right, quality quality wrestlers. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Pillman and Scorpio are going to start this off, and I was surprised a little bit at the beginning of this. Uh, they're both known for their speed. Obviously, we've seen all the speed and the flips and everything Scorpio can do and still does. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Brian Pillman was a high flyer, too. He was a former uh, light heavyweight champion in WCW. There wasn't, especially at the very beginning, there wasn't that any of that going on. They brawled and fought. Yeah, they start off with a collar and elbow tie-up, quick series of reversals, and then eventually Pillman gets thrown by Scorpio. Yeah, but I mean, as in, like, they're less cruiserweight and they're more into the brawling, ground-and-pound stuff. Right. So after that, Austin and Bad tag in. 
Austin tries and fails to box with Johnny B. Bad, who we've already discussed prior to this, was a multiple-time Golden Gloves boxing champion. Right, not the best idea. No, obviously, so, uh, yeah, Steve Austin got the worst end of that. Mm-hmm. There, were, there was, Let's put it this way, there was a reason uh, Johnny B. Bad used a left hook as a finisher. Oh. It was the Tutti Frutti, the Tutti Frutti left hook. Oh, cool. Because, once again, he was a boxer, that's what he did, use what got you to the game. Right. They keep going back and forth. Like I said, this just this was both sides, quick tags in and out. This was a very fast-paced match. Scorpio does get a nice springboard crossbody for a close two count. That team move you mentioned last last time we did wrestling, the one where they hold out the, the guy's arm and jump at it. That happened a few times here, and it's still pretty cool. It's, yeah, it's great. It just shows you how innovative Scorpio and the like were back in 93. Right. But they are the Pillman and Austin do finally get control of Scorpio. They get on him for a few minutes until Bad gets the tag. Uh, Johnny B. Bad hits that really lovely uh, top rope sunset flip that I like so much and gets a close two count. Looks like he's going to get a three count, but Austin is able to break it up. And so they go. he goes for another roll-up. Johnny B. Bad, you know, they were starting to get breakdown. Johnny B. Bad goes for another roll-up. Austin sucker punches him. Pillman reverses the... The pinning combination with a roll-up, grabs the tights, and the bad guys win this fight. Yeah, it's 6 minutes, 11 seconds on that one. I'd say this was a 7 out of 10 on the density scale. Up there, but not as much. Sure, it was pretty dense, but there were still moments where they breathed. There wasn't too much, too little. It was like the three little beers, it was just right. It flowed well. Yeah, like I said, a lot of that does go into the four guys that are in the ring. Right. By the way... Props to stunning now Stone Cold Steve Austin. That man just had, after all the problems he had, had a 20-minute match at WrestleMania, no holds barred. I haven't seen that match yet, but I've heard it was really good. Yeah, but it's just the fact that he had wrestled since WrestleMania 19. They're up to, what, 38 now? Yeah. 20 minutes. He went about 20 minutes. That's a long-ass time. Yeah, so... No, I'm, I'm, I'm sure he's not coming back anytime soon like that, but it's just... So, like I said, you know, I'm, I, unfortunately, uh, Brian's no longer with us. Uh, Johnny B. Bad is now, Mark Merrow is now out doing um, motivational speaking around schools, which is a great thing. He's uh, found religion and is motivational speaking. He's sharing his experiences. Yes. And Too Cold Scorpio is still wrestling. So, unfortunately, the Brian Pillman, these guys are still very active in their pursuits. Right. Uh, so, we go back to stage to Tony Schiavone, who's backstage with Barry Windham because the main event of... Tonight's episode is Barry Windham versus Sting. We're still continuing what happened last week in the tag match. Mm-hmm. This is just Barry Windham hyping up how he's going to fight Sting. Talks about how he's going to beat the Great Muda at Super Brawl for the NWA World Title. A hype package this is basically what this was. Yeah. This is where the first commercial is, and then Sting cuts a promo on Barry Windham as soon as we come back. Yeah, Barry Windham, especially, like I said, they're in the main event tonight. And also talking about Vader. And talking about, you know what, you beat me. My dad never beat me the way you did, but, you know, come Super Brawl, I got you. And now we get to a match I'm super excited about. I was looking forward to this one, too. This is the, according to WCW, this was the American debut of Steve Regal. We now know as William Regal. Up against Bob Cook, we, we discussed how um, William Regal's in my top five all time. So to see his early stuff, anytime I see William Regal, yes, please. Like I said, he's fighting a gentleman with the name of Bob Cook. Yeah, this match starts off with a long chain sequence that results in Steve holding a hammerlock on Bob Cook. Yeah, like, you get to see, this is, you know, like I said, this is what got him to the game. 
Regal's not going to change anything. He was, you know, the the catch is catch can, the British style, the technical style that I love so much. So I'm just, I'm in all of this. A lot of a lot of locks and rolls and that British style. Like a lot of times, like you could easily compare this. I would have loved to have seen this Steve Regal now, or even any any Steve or William Regal up against a good modern interpretation of this style is a Zack Sabre Jr. Like if we could have got a perfect in prime Steve Regal against a Zack Sabre Jr. Yeah, I remember his name from the Cruiserweight from the first Cruiserweight Classic a few years ago. Yeah, but basically if we could get like a William Regal Zack Sabre Jr. dream match. Gotcha. I could die happy. That's all I need in life. Um but Bob Cook does get a little bit of offense in, but we know obviously we know we're gonna know the outcome. This is not gonna last very long. Yeah. Uh, Regal gets a quick blow. And it, I, I call it a modified power slam. It looked like he had a tilt-a-whirl and turn it into a power slam and uh, got the one, two, three on that. Mm. And that was an exceptionally dense one minute, 57 seconds. Great action for that brief time. Oh, absolutely. Uh, we go back from commercial. Tony's interviewing Eric Watts. They're basically just talking about continuing the um, storyline with that. They show footage of the gas station incident we talked about a few episodes ago. Mm-hmm. Apparently, not only because of the damage of this this hold, Arn Anderson has not only supposedly broken his leg, but he's torn he's torn other stuff in the leg as well. So, mm-hmm. uh, Eric Watts said, "Yeah, that's basically." He's like, "Yeah, I'm sorry, that sucks, but um, you started it, neater, neater, neater." Yeah, basically is what it was. Coming back from that into an, our next match, Ron Simmons, who this is the first time we've seen him since episode one. Because he was selling that injury, that shoulder injury he had aggravated from Big Van Vader at Clash of the Champions. Mm-hmm. So we haven't seen him in a couple mo- about a month or so. Going up against uh, Mike Thor. Not the Thor that, you know, that could probably go up against Ron Simmons at the time. Uh-huh. All this was was Ron Simmons using his power and football skills. We're still getting over his NFL days, his plays at Florida State. Use, that's what he's using. He's using his power. He's using the football skills. Surprise the hell out of me. He lands a rocker dropper or a famouser at one point. Hmm. That, that surprised me as well. Uh, but yeah, that was the majority of the match. Ron Simmons, power slam for the win. Yeah, that's a minute eight. Yeah. Once again, it's, I, once again, I reiterate this. It seems like we're going through this fast, but these this is a very sparse episode. Not a lot happens wrestling-wise. Yeah, the match, I don't think any of the matches went over six minutes. Yeah, at all, between both shows. So, uh, JR is having an interview with U.S. champion Dustin Rhodes, who they announced during Ron Simmons' match that Ron Simmons is going up against Dustin Rhodes for that uh, United States title. And they'll be doing that at Super Brawl. Yeah, at Super Bowl, there's just, you know, they, these are both good friends, so it was just a mutual show of respect. Just basically just, just announced that, hey... May the best man win. I'm going to win. Ron's like, I'm going to win. Dustin's like, I'm going to win. You know, typical good guy thing. Yeah, the hyping, hyping themselves up. Yeah, we're good friends. Let's go out there. Let's have a let's have, let's have have a match. And just on paper, just the fact of Ron Simmons versus Dustin Rhodes, especially at this time frame, very excited to see that. Gotcha. We come back. JR's still there. We're going to announce the start of a television title tournament. He's going over the bracket. They're going to start the uh, here on the main, uh, WCW main event. So it was a nice, good mixture of the mid-card talent that are going to go for a chance to win the television title. Right. And as he's doing this, it's not necessarily the bracket that's the important... Well, I mean, it's the important part of the segment, but the, the main reason of the segment, out comes 
the Smoky Mountain Wrestling Tag Team Champions, the heavy, Heavenly Bodies, which is Stan Lane and Dr. Tom Pritchard, mm-hmm. with their manager, the legendary Jim Cornette. I know he's a wrestling pundit and that he was a promoter, but that's all I know. Oh, he was a manager, too. Like, he was so hated as a manager. If you wanted to be a bad guy and be hated, you got Jim Cornette as your manager. Gotcha. He comes out with a stretchy tennis racket and also comes out with uh, Bobby Eaton. Basically, he's calling out Bill Watts. He's like, what are you doing? You, you know who we are. Uh, why are you showing footage of us getting our, our butts kicked? Uh, we're the tag champions. Bill Watts comes out. Mm-hmm. And he's like, hey, look, here's the deal. We had the paper signed saying uh, Barbara Armstrong gave us the, the okay. We have the deal signed. So basically, we're allowed to use the footage because we have proof saying uh, we have permission to use it. So kiss my ass, basically. The uh, They're arguing back and forth. And out come the Rock and Roll Express, who were actually scheduled to wrestle Shanghai Pierce and Tex Slashinger later in the evening. They come out, and Bill Watts says, all right, Cornette, you want to put your money where your mouth is? You two teams get you two teams get in the ring, and we'll just fight. Which leads to the Rock and Roll Express, yeah, the Rock and Roll Express and the Heavenly Bodies, uh, which is, especially if you f- had followed Smoky Mountain Wrestling, this was not going to be a pretty match. These guys were going to fight. There was a long history between these two. They traded the tag team titles, especially at Smoky Mountain. Yeah, this was a brawl as soon as it got started. Yeah, early goings. Uh, Rock and Roll Express all over the Heavenly Bodies the first half of this match. Mm-hmm. They were Rock and Roll Express were always very quick. They were very speedy. This is what they did. Uh, Morton gets to gets tossed to the outside, and Cornette hits him with that trusty tennis racket he always came to the ring with. The Rock and Roll Express are able to come back. They hit their famed double drop kick. That was actually a lot of times their finisher. Bobby Eaton comes in, attacks him, and we have a DQ. Yeah, and then things just break down again. Yeah, and basically it's a four on two. The Rock and Roll Express is just decimated. Ring bell time would be... Six minutes, 15 seconds. So I was almost right. Yeah, this is a very... Basically... We're continuing the feud that they would have in Smoky Mountain with the tag titles. So we finished that. Four on two. Obviously, even the Rock and Roll Express aren't going to complete those odds, especially with guys like the Heavenly Bodies, Bobby Eaton, who was always super underrated. Yeah, that was the name of Cornette's other lackey? Bobby Eaton, yeah. Not necessarily lackey, but he wasn't necessarily a lackey. He was very, very good. Yeah, if they said his name in the episode, I didn't catch it. But even if they didn't, like, if you were watching... WCW this time room, you knew it was Bobby Eaton. Gotcha. So anyways, we're going to the first segment we talked about last episode. The WCW up close to Gordon Soley, who uh, it was interviewing Cactus Jack, and I, I ate this up because we also already discussed how how good Gordon Soley was. He was Like he said, it's basically your favorite commentator's favorite commentator. Yeah, this was a very good interview. They both knew exactly how, how, to, how to talk to each other. Exactly, because it's Gordon Soule, like you said, with Gordon Soule, your favorite announcer's favorite announcer, with somebody like a Cactus Jack or Mick Foley, who knew how to talk on, who knew how to talk on the mic. So this was just great. I love this. This is basically just to get Cactus Jack over with his hard-hitting, violent style that we didn't see a lot of back then. Yeah, he basically says, "You want to cheer me? You want to boo me? Whatever you do, that's on you." Yeah, I'm. I'm going to do me. You do you. I do me. Right. Basically, but once again. Great. This is honestly one of the highlights of the episode. Speaking of which, we go to another quick match. Max Payne versus Brad Armstrong. Part of that Armstrong wrestling family we've already discussed. He was the la- the final light heavyweight champion. Mm-hmm. 
Another quick match. We're still trying to get over Max Payne. Armstrong is using his speed, but Max Payne clotheslines, slams. He's using his wrestling skills. Locks in the painkiller. Match is over. Yeah, that's a minute 25 for that one. Yeah, like I, like I said, n- not a lot of meat on these bones this week. So we get to the replacement match. Like we had just mentioned a minute ago, Tex Slashinger and Shanghai Pierce were supposed to fight the Rock and Roll Express. Obviously, that's not going to happen now. Mm-hmm. So the replacement team is going to be the Z-Man, Tom Zank, and Johnny Gunn. Yeah, we start, match starts off with Pierce and Zank. They're, they're, they're basically using the... Zank's using his speed... Pierce using the power and just the the brawling that the Cowboys are going to Cowboy. Right. But Zank is able to get that early control, early advantage using his speed. Their respective partners tag in. We get a lot more of the same. Every, basically, everybody is using what they're good at, and it's it's working. Basically, we're a stalemate. Uh, so what happens? Gun goes for the O'Connor roll, where he put, puts him up against the ropes, goes to roll him up. Mm-hmm. Slazinger blocks it. Johnny Gun goes to jump at him. But he moves, uh, Slashinger moves, and gun, stun guns himself across the top top rope, clotheslines himself with the uh, top rope, and Slashinger and Pierce take over. Yeah, so they're not giving they're not giving any quarter here. No, so he's in trouble, but they're able to. He's able to hit a double clothesline to tag in Zank. It breaks down basically as soon as the tag happens. All four men are in the ring. They're fighting around the ring. Zank gets thrown over the top rope, and Slashinger and Pierce are disqualified because at this point in WCW, they still have the getting thrown over the top rope is a instant disqualification. Yeah, match time on that one was four minutes twenty six. Yeah, the, the they fight a little bit more. Zank and Gunner in the ring, even though they won by disqualification, they're still standing tall in the ring. Uh, we come back from the last commercial of the evening uh, with Tony Schiavone, who's backstage with. Uh, Big Van Vader, WCW champion, and Harley Race. We're putting, we're continuing to promote the strap match that's coming up in about two weeks. Right. Vader's looking scary as hell. Harley Race doesn't even have to say a word. Yeah, they they know exactly how to be intimidating. Oh, it's Vader. Uh, yeah, it's just just be Vader. Right. Uh so we come to our main event match of the evening and our last last match of the episode already. I know. Yeah. Wow. Uh, Sting versus Barry Windham. We're, like I said, we're continuing the fallout of last week's tag team match where Windham and Vader are beat Sting with that strap to, you know, for the strap match. Sting's not wasting any time. As soon as Windham comes in, he starts fighting and punching and throwing kicks and giving the what for to Barry Windham. Yeah, Windham rolls out of the ring real quick to recover. Sting follows and chucks him back in. Yep. And for the next few minutes, it's all Sting. Uh, Sting hit, goes for the Stinger Splash. Wyndham's able to move away, hit a top rope clothesline for his, for, honestly, first real offense of the match, and we're talking two to three minutes into this. Mm-hmm. So uh, Sting is able to hit a suplex, but Barry answered real quick with a DDT, not his implant DDT finisher. Yeah, they get a two-count out of it, though. Yeah, but still a normal, regular DDT. Right. And then we get to Barry Windham locks in a sleeper hold, and he's he, uh, stings in the sleeper hold for quite a while. So yeah, Barry's trying to use the ropes here. Ref, ref eventually does catch him doing it. He catches him. He does it a couple times. Stings arm drops two. He's able to still fight before it drops for the third time. Ref does catch. Event like you said does eventually catch him using the ropes, so it breaks it off. This is the part where Barry Windham still keeping the pressure on Sting. He goes for his old finisher. 
Barry Windham's old finisher, the Superplex. Ah. When I first remembered Barry Windham, this was the finisher he was using. This is when you could still use a Superplex as a finisher. Mm-hmm. But Sting's able to fight him off and throw him off the top. They start brawling a little bit, ref bump, but they both collide, and Barry Windham falls to the outside of the ring. And so while this is happening, Harley Race comes out with the strap, hands Barry Windham the strap. Sting's able to take it away, beat Windham with it a few times, hide it. He gets the pin, and Sting wins. Yeah, that's 9 minutes, 38 seconds, bell to bell time, so two matches over six minutes long this, this episode. However, Sting then actually, shock of all shocks, with Sting being a bad guy, hangs Barry Windham over the top rope with the strap. Yeah, that, that God, that, that must be painful. The ref sees this, Sting's not letting go, so the ref reverses the decision. So instead of winning by pinfall, Sting winning by pinfall, Barry Windham wins via disqualification. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Vader comes out at this point and thinks he has breakdown again. Yeah, so once again, we're, we're moving everything along, and that's it. Yeah, that was a better show, but cons- considering Raw, that's not, not a high bar. Yeah, and honestly, and especially with a lot of the stuff we had been seeing recently with uh, WCW Saturday Night, I would honestly say this is also the weakest WCW Saturday Night that we've covered. I'll agree with you on that. I'll say this was a, this was a C, C show. I, I would have said it's a straight C. Raw would have been a, a D minus. Yeah, I, I'll agree with that too. D minus for Raw. Even match wise with Raw, the only thing of note is Brutus Beefcake's return. Everything else can just. Nothing else meant anything. No. And remember, this was an hour, so... I just thought... And I understand WCW is still doing more with their storylines because, like I said, we're about three weeks out from Super Brawl. Right. How many pay-per-views was WCW doing at this time per year? Do you remember? You know offhand? Offhand, I'm thinking Super Brawl, Bash at the Beach, because they, they didn't bring back Great American Bash until 95. Okay. So you're looking at four to five of their own. Okay, versus WWF also doing four at this time. Four, but they would add the fifth one this year because this was the first year that King of the Ring was its own pay-per-view. Oh, okay. So it was four, but this is the year they introduced the fifth one. Got it. So it's about the same. It's about, about I want to say about five pay-per-views for each. Yeah, so, so they, have, they have roughly the same amount of time between each to build their storyline. Yeah, but they're not also they're not all in the same months though. Right, so you're gonna have different. Di- they're building their storylines at different times and at different speeds. Yeah, and also like WrestleMania is the big one for WWF. You're getting that like late March, late March, early April, especially to this date, still is. Right. However, WCW's biggest show was Starcade. That was not until December. So even their big shows of each, they're all their respective going to big shows of the year. Their number one pay per view. Was even in different months. Right. So it wasn't like, oh, well, this is April, so each one's going to... Like, no, they had... They weren't exactly going head-to-head with them. They were going ahead on television, but it was... And it was also... You could still go head-to-head as in... You know, back in the day, you're still paying $35 for a pay-per-view. Right. You know, you don't want to... If you Not really, not many people bought every single one of them, so you're going to be like, okay, well, I want to buy... I can afford one or two a year... I want to buy on paper what I think is going to be the quality pay-per-view. Right, right. So they may not have been the same month or anything like that, but you still want to... Still competing for the money. Mm-hmm. All right, guys, like I said, I hate to do this truncated episode, but once again, not a lot happened this week. So thank you, everybody, for coming out. 
for episode nine of the Dropkicks and Attractions podcast. Next episode, we are doing the Attractions episode, which is we are doing the one and only season of Saved by the Bell, the college years, and in my opinion, does not hold up. I'll get into what I think when we do the episode. Yeah, we'll explain it, but I was not a fan. So the next wrestling episode, which is episode 11 in two weeks, is going to be a supersized one because we are going over WCW Saturday Night from February 13th, Monday Night Raw from February 15th, and WCW Saturday Night from February 20th, uh, and which will also lead into Super Bowl Three, our first WCW pay-per-view. Looking forward to it. Yes, we are. You can find the podcast on Twitter at capital D and capital A podcast one every Friday on YouTube, every Saturday on your on Stitcher and Spotify. You can find me on Twitch, Twitter, Instagram, Hover, your major social media websites, all at Xander Invictus. And that can be found on major social media at Big Bot, B-I-G-B-O-C-T. So thank you, everybody, for coming out for episode nine of Dropkicks and Attractions. Take care, everybody.